Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast. Now, when talking about a promotion race, the cliche goes there'll be plenty of twists and turns yet in the season, and we're going through one of those twists or one of those turns. Is a well, bad result? It's a bad a result. Twist. Is it a twist or a turn? A bad result. How do we twist? That? A twist. A twist. Okay. Because yeah. uh, you kind of like turn the corner, don't you? Right. As mm. twist, I would say is a. Mm. If there's a turn, in, it. This uh, it's kind of stating that would it's positive you've turned well, the no, corner. Well, no, it's bad. I would say. No, you turn. say that you've turned the corner. That's a good yeah, thing, right? I don't know. Right. Well, be a turn in the wrong direction. <laughs> Myself and Gareth are joined by Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo to talk about that mental game of football we saw at the weekend. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just incredible to watch two teams kind of just make the same the same errors repeatedly um, and make very little attempt to. To alter what was what was going wrong, it was almost if both teams just had the belief that they were going to score the most goals, no matter how kind of um, unhinged the game got. And I think ultimately Sunderland were punished for that, having been given a a lifeline they probably didn't deserve at half time, but kept trying to do the same things, and and ultimately were were punished for it. And an unbelievably costly result when you look at what happened elsewhere. Well, when before we get onto that, when people have been asking for this, right? For us to go and outscore teams and Some say we, we've got the no, but but Jen, you know that, that that's a big opinion this season has been. Sunderland have the players for it, they have their attacking players for it. Um, go and outscore somebody. I think against Barnsley, we we took that approach a little bit, although the formation wasn't quite the same as it was at the weekend. Um, has Jack Ross been scarred? Do you think, Phil, by his criticism for being negative at Wembley and letting Paul Smith back into that game? Uh, and ultimately losing that game on penalties because it's been a deserved criticism of the way he managed that game. Since then, it's almost like it's gone from one extreme to the other. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting debate. I think the primary issue is that it's, at the moment it's very, very difficult to get Charlie White and Will Grigg into the same team without having that kind of system. Um, we saw. Do they need to be in the same team? Well, I would argue not, but I, I think that's probably why we've seen him go that way in the last couple of games because Charlie White's been playing so well. I'm not sure whether it's a, as much about him being scarred from the Portsmouth game but what I would say is I think we've probably had a bit of insight on Saturday afternoon into why he's set up the team in certain ways for most of the season and that's because you can get a Sunderland's defence mm. and I think we've seen that time and time again which isn't a criticism of the centre-backs or the full-backs necessarily because you know Tom Flanagan's very rarely played at centre-back in his career before Jack Bolden we all know is making a big step up Luke O'Nine's not a right back and if you look at the teams in the top four or five the other teams are putting out the same back four every game. They're settled partnerships and they're consistent performers and Sunderland haven't had that. So I wonder if the weekend maybe does just underline why Sunderland have perhaps been a little bit more pragmatic than people would have liked so it. If, if that's the a case and that's so obvious, why didn't you change it then? I, th- I think, um, you know, firstly, I think there's been a little bit of revisionism in the wake of, um, you know, the, the, the result of the weekend. I think you've touched on it there, Phil, and that the we've played a certain way all season, probably protect those players um, but that's got us you know in a good position um, and there's, I think there's been a lot of like you know all of a sudden now we're rubbish at home it's like well that's our first home defeat of the season oh the defence is useless well we had the third best defensive record in the league before the weekend so you know it, it's just a little bit I think unfair to to look at it and, and say well this is the way it's been and it's been coming I don't think it is I think the change in systems, the thing that that's you know caused it. I agree with Stephen in that I think the the Wembley thing has maybe got into his head a little bit, and he's decided right. Well, you know I'm going to have to be more expansive. 
Um, he's gone too far the other way. And it worked against Atrid and Stanley, who were in shocking form. I know they were last time, but Some... against Rochdale, we needed a last-minute winner to beat Rochdale. And then we drew one over Burton, and it, you could see the problems. And then we just went into the game exactly the same way on Saturday. And, you know, we're three three down in... Or we've conceded three goals in 25 minutes, and we'd only conceded three goals in the league once this season, I think, I, in Portsmouth. Su- so. I'd suggest four four two could probably work away from home in this division quite a lot. Because you're you're going to a, a side who, in a lot of cases, will be playing a similar formation. Um, it's a very different challenge to then going at home, playing at the Stadium of Light against a side that are probably going to be playing to hit you on the counter anyway, flood the midfield and try and hit you with counter and hit you with pace. Um, I think there are two very different things. And, I, you know, playing away at Akron and Stanley, I think, yeah, four four two. I like the sound of that. Four four two at Hope McCoventry, a side who were playing away from, uh, well away from home. Um, was that ever going to work? I think it was a, a strange decision given that, okay, so the v- result against Burton wasn't the worst and yes, Sunderland could quite easily have won that game had Charlie White taken his chance. But the warning signs were definitely there in the way that Burton's wingers found so much space on their counter-attack. So given that Coventry's personnel and the pace they had, it was a little bit of a surprise to go that way. But I think it's it's an interesting one because, you know, you mentioned there about the formation. It's it's actually not a formation that you see at all, in, yeah. even in this league. You see the diamond a lot. You see people play with two strikers, but it's almost always with a... With the, with the diamond, so it it's been a really interesting one, and and I don't think it's it's worked really because it puts a lot of emphasis on your defenders to get it right when they bring it out and mm. play it out from the back. And at the moment, that that part of the system is just not functioning. And also, it's uh, as you said this, you know, before we come on, but four four two is a it's a familiar system to us in as a spectator. Our generation, game, uh, generation. So you people know, are thirty plus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll know four four two was a default setting, on, and then you had a little spell of the sweep, didn't you, in the early nineties? But four four two was generally the the formation, and so people, I think people sometimes cry for it because it's you know it's familiar. Now I know people are probably shouting at this, going, "It's not, you know, it's not the system; it's the players or whatever." That's fine, and it, you know, it's not just the system and the formation, but a lot of those players there. Won't be playing in four four twos like in the career very rarely. Like these look going on for for example, is not being playing right back. You know, Oviedo's been playing, you know, Premier League football where everybody plays four five one. Um, you know, the two centre backs, you know, they used to playing with you know two midfielders in front or the two midfielders who were the the two who were playing in Leadbitter and Power, the right midfielders for a four four two because you haven't you haven't got the legs to play in a four four two. Um, Honeyman's playing on 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 the wing. Um, but uh, you know he'll not really played in a four four two for Sunderland since he's come in. Um, it just Will Grigg when we spoke to him, he said he didn't play in a four four two in his whole career. So it's just it, it's an unfam- it's it's familiar to us in memory, but it's not familiar to players who are playing week in week out because they're used to playing in conservative systems that came in sort of probably around two thousand six two thousand and seven. I would say is when the real transition went to to one up front although people have been doing it before but that was I felt as though that in the top level especially that's when it kind of went didn't it to the one up when we got promoted under Keane and that was around that time I think but it's a long time that I mean Max Power would have been what 14 years old 13 years old or something probably when um, <laughs> when he uh, when we went up in that in that era and you know that's a long time 
So it, I just think it's it looks absolutely vile when it goes wrong. And it, <clears throat> I mean, you could have parked, you know, all the buses that went to Wembley the other week in the middle of the pitch. Like it was unbelievable. If he's going to try and play two up front, Phil, the obvious solution to that appears on the face of it to be three at the back because then you're still getting three you're getting people in the middle of the park you're getting five so you're getting your three set of midfielders our full backs are probably more equipped to be wing backs than full backs anyway and then you're getting two strikers on the pitch we've got two centre halves in uh, Tom Flanagan and Jack Baldwin who are not playing very well at all at the moment um, full of errors a lack of confidence clearly and then bringing a third centre half in would probably shawl that up a little bit. It's an interesting debate because I think if you asked, I mean, it's skewed a little bit at the moment because, of course, Aidan McGeady's missed a lot of football. But I think if you to ask Jack Ross where he felt his side was strongest, I think he would tell you it was in his wingers and getting full backs one on one. And I know that was a big reason from going to four four two after the Wembley final was because both Accrington and Rochdale played three five two. And I think, well, I know that Ross felt that that playing against that system is something that really suits Sunderland when they set up. And that's why he set up 4-4-2, because he gambled that the space for McGeady, Gooch, Morgan, whoever, would be really easy to attack and create a lot of opportunities. And of course, that proved to be true. Didn't really work when you then went to Burton and Coventry, who played with wingers and really threatening wingers on the counter-attack. So I think the logic initially in bringing in 4-4-2 made, made a lot of sense, but it didn't quite work for these home games. It's an interesting one going to back three, because then... You know, all this sit-back jack and all that that's been this season, what's the perception going to be if but he then shows it up with another centre-half? And what do you then do with McGeady? Do you play him in field as a number 10? You or? play him as a 10. But the, the, the thing is, and I've, I've said this before about three-five-two, the perception that it's a negative. This whole thing about negativity. Oh, he's negative. This is negative. Negative's losing games. That's negative. It's not about what happens in the game. It's the outcome. And... You know, if you're setting up your team in a way that basically sabotages the opportunity of a result, that's not going for it, as people say. When you, well, you went for it, well, you haven't gone for it. You've, you've, you've created a situation which you are more likely to lose. That's not going for it. That's the complete opposite of going for it. You know, you, the ultimate thing is a result. And if you set a team up in a way that's going to disadvantage you to getting that result, the the win, then it's it's a negative option because. You know, it, it, it's all very well, you know, perceptions of, you know, let's have, you know, and we've seen in the last few games what happens when you play four four two, 4 and you get you get into this um, sort of hole where the logical thing to do would have been half-time on Saturday is to take Will Grigg off um, and reinforce the midfield so or, a or, go, did that, or go at the three. But what happens is then you start, you're chasing the game. It's like you're chasing the game that you, you're still in. And then you've got us to start piling strikers on, playing them out of position, wide areas. You know, Sterling's on the right. You know, Yorkers come on and all that. And it's just all a bit, you know, it's just rolling the dice. There's no logic to, to the approach. I, I would have expected a change at half time. So again, what looks like it looks like it's getting away from Sunderland, and you would say that the way the side have set up is the main factor behind that. And then by hook or by crook, they get themselves level at half time. Were you surprised Phil came out and he didn't? Because that would yeah. be the time, wouldn't it, to say right? Yeah. Okay. Nil, a new game. This is a, a clean slate. We're playing a half of football now. I'm going to have to change things up. Make us give some protection to the back too, because I think Flanagan and Baldwin we. It's justified to criticise them, and we'll do that. But first and foremost, if they get no protection at all, 
you can't see a way the Coventry aren't going to score again. No, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I was very surprised when, when there wasn't a change at half-time because it seemed a logical thing to do, I suppose. The other side of that is that you only had one central midfielder on the bench, and of course that was was Lee Catmull, who presumably wasn't fit because but, all logic would dita- dictate he would come on. He could go. He could bring Dunn on. Yeah, and go to three and, and with a Grig, and then go to a three. Or, or nine could push up in the midfield oh, yeah. and, and shuffle the fullbacks yeah. around. Yeah, no, I was I, I was genuinely surprised that he didn't change it because it all it almost felt as if now we've got back to three three. We'll just keep plodding on because we've scored three goals yeah. and we'll back ourselves to outscore them, which. You know, clearly it was the wrong decision. But I've, you know, I felt all season that Sunderland have lacked maybe two things, particularly the way they try to play and the way they set up. And that's, I think, the centre halves have been very inconsistent. And I also think they've lacked a, a consistent number ten. Really, when Chris Maguire has been very good, which he has been in patches, Sunderland have been an awful lot better side than without him. And I think at the weekend that would have been the perfect situation yeah. if you could have had that number ten who's very intelligent he knows which moments in the game to drop in and which moments in the game to stretch it I think that was a that was a big miss and if if I could change one thing right now for this Sunderland team it would be to get Maguire fit yeah. in, in the side because I think he just changes that in the dynamic completely well, he should be involved this weekend from what they've said I guess I mean but I he's, guess not, I change. he's not going to go from it's going to be on the bench isn't but it? that's okay if you've yeah. got McGeady coming back and if, if he's fit he can come into the team and then you've got Maguire to come on, so it doesn't look so bad. You don't have to force him straight back in, and then you can have a look and freshen it up at Peterborough if you want. But I think the bo- the bottom line is he has to go back to the. To, he has to reinforce midfield, no matter if it means dropping a striker and going back to the one up, or playing a four three three if you want to call it that, or going to the three five two, which I think, as I've said before, the most aggressive formation you can play because you've got you've got five attackers on the pitch. Um, you know, in your wing backs of attacking players, obviously, it does attacking player. It's whether he, he thinks, you know, we're at the business end of the season now, and it's whether he thinks he's got enough time to work on on entirely new things. But he changed. He changed. The players are probably more familiar with a three than they are with a four four two. I mean, it's, but they've, pl- they've 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 just started playing four four two randomly. So why, if it's not working, don't just you know belligerently continue because if we do that, we're not going to go up. You don't think there's been pressure from I know we Gareth suggesting that's a certain generation fellow who are like uh, asking for this 4-4-2 and stuff and as you've just mentioned there again it's accurate and it work perfectly it's not we're not suggesting you should never ever play it you don't think that um, the expectation and, and what the fans want <coughs> has maybe started well, making Jack question himself no, a little bit well it's an interesting debate actually because one of the things he's he, he's spoken of a lot is is talking about how his kind of philosophies maybe changed a little bit to leave behind a, a Sunderland squad rather than a Jack Ross squad, if you like. And it's interesting because I always took the inference from that that it was about, you know, kind of the the graft or whatever, or the, you know, the four four two in the read era. And it's always been something that I've heard a lot of managers and players say that as long as you graft up here, you'll be all right. And I've never really agreed with it because I, I, don't, I don't think that's true at all. And I think there's a lot of examples of that. <laughs> so if, 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 that has, if that has affected his thinking, then I think that's an error. I think... I'm not convinced it's the case, and like I say, I, I think I think injuries have caused him a real headache. And Jack would be the first to say that he likes nothing more than solving the problem. And in the last two home games, he hasn't been able to do that, and I'm sure that'll sting. But I do feel like the um, the lack of options he's had in centre midfield and, and that lack of a number ten is is maybe causing him a bit of a headache and setting the team up. And it's one that so far he hasn't quite been able to crack. Is he going to enjoy the fact he's got two games coming up on that? 
like in quick in quick succession. I you could do you could do it with a week off, couldn't you? Like we have got for a change. We've, we're not yeah. Playing I, th- I, th- I think the the lack of a midweek game will be will be very good, but at the same time, especially at a club like this in a pressurised time of the season, the last thing you want is too long to stew on a defeat and and let it fester. So I think it's a good time good time to get back at it on Friday. Well, we're going to talk about what, what's happening going forward, but we are going to stew on the defeat ourselves a little bit first, more because I want um, so some some of our listeners won't have, have seen the game at all. And you know it's 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 not a usual scoreline, Sunderland four, Coventry five. You know it's not often that a result like that happens. So, talk us through the um, the story of the game, almost, Gareth, from your point of view as a fan, and what what wasn't working, and what were you thinking at, at each point when the score was changing, like it was. Well, it was just abundantly clear that you know it was a continuation of what we'd seen against Burton, and um, you know. It, you go, you three one down in the space of twenty five minutes. Um, obviously, we got the equaliser straight after. So again, you've got that great. We're back in the game. Let's sort it out. But it was just far too easy for, um, you know, the to be, we just cut open when, when the centre backs had the ball. They had a problem. So when when they were receiving the ball now, they're getting pelters for going long. But you haven't really got much option. The midfielders were too deep, and people said that take that point. Um, but again, I think that goes back to the issue where those two midfielders probably aren't used to playing in, in that system, um, and they probably feel a little bit. They probably see Flanagan and Baldwin every day, and they've played with them at, you know all season. They, they know they're vulnerable, so there's probably a tendency to to sit in and protect. But the problem then is we haven't got an out ball, and a number of times we just kind of put it into the central area of the pitch, and the ball was coming back, and then they were away. The three forwards cause and bother you know the, the second and third goal had an element of offside but when I watch them back there's somebody too deep and I don't know who it was on both occasions but there's someone too deep I think 09 I think they decided that they were just going to target him and they were putting a ball, putting balls over the top into his space um, and the lad was too powerful for him and he was struggling a bit unlucky with the goal because it obviously kind of looked a bit of an own goal really watching it back it deflected off and kind of looped over the keeper um, but you know, we finally benefited from League One goalkeeping from you know the second, didn't we? I mean, I mean that that really came from nowhere. To yeah. be fair, and it just goes back to what we were saying about the decision maybe not to change things at half time because I'm not convinced three three was a particularly fair reflection of no. what we'd seen at the first half. I think Coventry could easily have gone and made it. Well, they got a chance one. at three um, one to make it four, didn't they? They just put past the post. Um, but yeah, I mean, nice goal. The, the um, it's a bit of a throwback, funnily enough, wasn't it? The the third with the head, it was like a Quinn and Phillips head. He had wide headed it down at Grigg and he took it well. Didn't and, he? and I mean, that's the other side of it as well. And ultimately, you've lost the game. And I don't think anyone would say that someone got the reproach right. But you know, they, they did look really threatening at times in the final third. And it's just about just about finding that balance. And it, I mean, moving things on a little bit, but it leaves a big question for the weekend because if. You know, we're talking about changing systems and stuff, and and you would look at the centre forwards, and you know, on his current form, would you would you persist with Grig or would you would you play White and get someone off him? I think it's a big uh, big debate coming I mean, up. Griggs, I think you know he's done pretty well in general play, considering until recently where he just looks like he doesn't know what he needs to do. I don't think he knows what he does off the ball in that four four two. He kind of chases back, but he's like, well, I don't know. 
where I'm supposed to be here, and he he looks knackered as well. I think he's got obviously got an ankle problem he, still. He, I, I did notice against Burton. We we were commenting on that watching the game that the runs he were, was making were, were that of uh, somebody who would play up front by himself. Yeah. And now when you're playing two up front and White's getting the ball, and he's controlling the ball. Griggs got to go to him. Yeah, he's got to go right as close to White as he can get. And as you say, if that one of the goals was a little flick on. Well, it was he just headed the back across and he got it yeah. down and stabbed it in. So hopefully that might be a little, you know, um, sort of hint as to what he might do. I'm not going to tell Will Grigg what runs to make. <laughs> he's a professional goal scorer. He's got a lot of goals in his career. Um, but, you know, generally, if we're talking about a throwback um, from a, uh, as a throwback to the 4 4 it used to be, that's how you will play as a front two because a big man will control it and the other one will get as close to him as possible, ready for the little flick-ons. But... Um, before we look at uh, the next few games and what we might we, we we think we might need to do going forward if we're still confident enough um the center half situation phil how big of a worry is this because i, I was talking again to, to to my neighbor actually when i was talking about football um and he was saying first half how it was almost like you were you were defending them away by saying they're not getting any protection and then the second half they just start kicking the ball out of touch and the start and just they're just not not in a good place at all it seems no, and I think it's, um, you know, again, I'm repeating myself, I said it earlier on this show, and I think I said the last time I was on as well, I, I think it's the area where the other pro- promotion teams have a, have a big advantage. I think there's a, a combination of factors. I think I think Jack Bolden to me seems very much like a confidence player, and I think mistakes seem to, to hang very heavy on his shoulders. He doesn't seem to be someone who just kind of puts it, puts it to one side and, and cracks on. And Tom Flanagan just looks mentally and physically just, I think, to be fair, we've talked a lot about the centre-halves and for most of the season, Flanagan's kind of got through it. Mm. He hasn't always looked like the most convincing League One defender. He hasn't always looked like someone you could think, oh, I could go and see him playing at a higher level. But he's he's not made many mistakes and he's kind of muddled through it and done pretty well. I think at the moment he looks very, 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 very tired. But it's a big decision because, you know, I, I've seen comments since Saturday saying you've got to get Jim, Jimmy Dunn back, which is okay. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but he's had some very ropey games as well. I certainly don't think he's someone who would come in and add a huge amount of composure on the ball, which I think we all mm. agree was one of the main issues the other night. And then Ali, Ali Mostert and Glenn Leuven's are just nowhere near, nowhere near match fit, really. They can't be because they haven't played for so long. That so must, I have no must, idea what must, you do. There must be the only reason with them. Because there's two people on the fringes and, and I think you're right, and Tom Flanagan has kind of just got through it. But Jack Baldwin in particular, how poor he's been for some time now. If you're a centre-half in the squad and you're not getting a look in, you're going to be asking yourself well, questions, the manager questions. He was brought, <clears throat> he had a bad spell, didn't he? He had that um, really bad game against Accrington, didn't he? And then he he went missing for a few games. I think he was dropped from the squad, wasn't he? Entirely mm-hmm. for one. And then he's come back and he did okay and he's kept his place ahead of Dunn because he kept his place for the, the final, didn't he? And that was a big kind of talking point before that. But, you know, you have to, cha- you have to change it um, now. Um, I think Leuven's is a funny one. I mean, we obviously haven't seen him since December and I don't think we will again this season. Um, Ozturk did all right in the check trade run, I thought, to be fair. I thought he was all right. Psychologically, it doesn't send a very good message if you change both your centre-backs. Of course it doesn't. So I think you've probably just got to say, well, Bolden, Flanagan and Dunn are the three I'm- and they rotate <clears throat> or you play them all together um, in, in, in a 3-5-2. That's possibly not a nice question to ask. Or one that doesn't reflect very well on Sunderland fans and their fan base, but are Flanagan and Jack Baldwin in particular close to being a target from the Sunderland fans? Are they one more 
massive mistake well, away they, from they that. Well, they're just under a target for Baldwin and Flanagan, aren't they? Because they've lumped it out of play and it <laughs> hits them in the head. And, and I saw Turner and Kilgallen do that in the Premier League years, so maybe it's some kind of Sunderland <laughs> issue with the centre-halves they're buying. But I think it's it. Uh, like I say, going back to what I said before, I think I think most people would recognise that Flanagan's done okay for most of the season in a fairly unfamiliar role. But I think, look, you, you can't kid Sunderland fans, and at the moment they are massively feel panicked on the ball. Everyone can see that their confidence is low, and it's going to be very difficult because Doncaster are one of the best pressing teams in the league. Um, John Marcus, is, I think he's gone a bit off the boil since January, but he leads from the front very well. So in many ways, Doncaster are not really an opponent you want to be facing with with your centre halves confident because they are, you know, you know they're going to come and they're going to play on that and they're going to try and they're going to let the centre halves have the ball and they're going to wait and see if they slip up and play it into dangerous areas. So it's going to be really interesting to see how something go. And the three, three at the back debate is an interesting one because, you know, if we're saying that centre backs the weakness and the distribution, you know, is adding another one in there going to going to solve that issue? It's, well, it's an interesting you know what it might because at the start of the season. Um, you know, Baldwin looked Baldwin looked like a Rolls Royce, didn't he? He used to stride out and he'd carry the ball. He, he did you it Barnsley, and yeah. that wasn't so long ago. I realise he's dipped back again yeah. quickly, but honestly, that that night at Oakwell and what were absolutely awful conditions to defend, he was absolutely superb. He didn't make a mistake, didn't give the ball away, didn't play any aimless balls, um, and that's I think that's the frustrating thing with Baldwin. I think with Flanagan, we can all see that he's not a natural centre half, and he's doing his best to get through because that's what the team needs with. With Baldwin, you know he's got it in him. You know, actually, there's a hugely talented defender there. It's just whether, for whatever reason, whether it be physically or mentally, it's getting those consistent performances out of him that they just haven't been able to do this season. But maybe if you had the three in there, it would give the, you know, like Baldwin or Flanagan, the confidence knowing that they could bring the ball out. And, and rather than thinking, I need to clear it or I need to knock it long into space or try and hit Wyke or whatever they're trying to do, because... That was often the, the source of the start of Coventry's attacks and we conceded a few goals from, from giving the ball away in those situations. So maybe if the Fiddles goals have got little, that little bit of licence to carry the ball out and then hand it off further up the pitch rather than having the two centre midfielders dipping back in to try and pick the ball up yeah. off them. Maybe maybe that'll it's, get us up the pitch quicker. It's all it's all I guess it's all about opinions, isn't it? My you know, my solution would, would not be to put done in it would maybe to replace him but certainly not as a three I think you'd want for me I, I want to get back to what you had earlier in the season where you had two centre midfielders and Ledbetter feels able to just sit as deep as he wants and just constantly go mm. to centre halves take it off them play an easy pass rotate make sure that they don't play passes into dangerous areas that would be my solution because I think some of the best football Sunderland have played has been when you had Ledbetter and Catmull together and going into a, a pressurised game that had 100% <coughs> be the way be the way I go yeah. but again it's out of injuries and you know we it's it's okay to discuss the formations because he could have done things differently and that's fine. But the injuries have been a, a big problem in the last week or so, and they could be again at the weekend. I mean, yeah. the, the pressure is going to be higher as well because we're playing last. Whereas last week we're sitting, you know, at, at the Roker End Cafe, kind of with our feet up. It's been know, a long time, isn't know, it? And, it is and, a week. And thinking, great, we're a point ahead. We've got we take four points this week. We'll be absolutely. Flying, you know, if someone drops point on that Friday, we've got the Friday night to get even further away. Now we're looking at it going well. We could be fifth, and that one win would have made a difference because one win and we'd, yeah. be, we'd be sitting four points behind Luton with a game in hand, and everyone would be talking yeah. about winning the league again. Yeah. Suddenly now as well, and it's that's, not, that's typical. You want Luton to lose every week in the yeah. week where you go, you know, we're not going to win the league. 
you just beat Charlton mm. and we don't have to worry about that and they go and lose. So, <laughs> cheers. Because, of course, Charlton only one point behind Sunderland now, so that it's really... Well, that's it. I'm saying we could be fifth at the start mm. before we kick a ball on, on Friday. Second, third, fourth and fifth is ridiculous now. And it's not even really as clean cut as saying, well, it's still in Sunderland's hands where if they win all the games, they'll get promoted. Because if they win all the games, they'll definitely finish above Barnsley. But Portsmouth are now neck and neck with Sunderland points and games played, right? Yeah, but we still got to play them. Yeah. Yes. Well, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if we win all of our games, yeah. we will go up, right? Yeah, but... It's, I don't know. We're I don't not going to win five games. I don't think you can look no. at the last two games and say, no. oh, well, we'll just win five. Absolutely, absolutely. let me put on record. I'm not saying that some of them are going to win their next five games. Positively, you know, Portsmouth have got Burton and um, <clears throat> Burton and Coventry uh, next, I believe. So, you know, we've seen that what they could do. Um, Burton won again the weekend, didn't they? Yeah. Flying. They have, yeah, they are. Yeah, they've won four. Uh, I think they won four. Four or five, five, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then drill with us in the yeah. other one. Mm. So, yeah, it's you, you look at that and you're hoping that um, you know Burton can do us a bit of a favour um, on on Saturday, on Friday, even before we start. Even you know, even if the if they drop any points, like a draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world at this stage. Um, for other <laughs> teams, you, you know, you take it. Not. No, I'm mean, a Barnsley. You got Shrewsbury, I think. So, <clears throat> well, I'm not sure they got on Monday. Um, but they've they've been quite poor and just seem to have pulled Shrewsbury it around. Shrewsbury at a home bit. on Friday, um, you can't see many problems with that for Barnsley. Yeah. They've got to Plymouth on Monday. That's a bit of a harder game for them, isn't it? Maybe, maybe. I mean, they've to, got Blackpool at home still. It's Barnsley, a tough game, and they've got Bristol Rovers away last. No, so they've got the four easiest, games. Not the easiest. So the, the second, yeah, Plymouth, Blackpool, Bristol Rovers isn't that easy. No. You would expect them to come through Shrewsbury. Well, I think, you know, if we get 90 points, you know, maybe you just t- you hope, you just try and get 90 points and hope that others slip up. But I think there's two, you know, I think Charlton get 91, Barnsley can get 94, I believe. Am I right? 94 Barnsley and we get and, 95. And Portsmouth then get 95. Yep. So really, I think ni- if you got 92, so we'd need to win 4 5 and avoid, avoid defeat. To, to Portsmouth, I think. Um, you know, even if we win three and draw two and one of them is a Portsmouth game, that might be enough. Charlton go to Oxford on Friday. Yeah. Um, they play at one o'clock, so early kickoff. Then they're at home to Scunthorpe. You can't see many problems no. with that one. And they they are away at Gillingham and mm. then at home to Rochdale. I think. They're, they're going to be the ones who just sneak yeah. through the back door here, aren't they, Charlton? I mean, if they, if they do, that's a, he's done an amazing job, boy, hasn't he? I mean, t- with the situation that's going on there. I think I think he's the manager of the season um, in League One. Anyway, I, I have absolutely no idea how Daniel Stendhal managed to win that. But I think what they've done is, a, what he's done is unbelievable. And I just think if you, they obviously have a very thin squad, but they've just got so much pace, so much power. I think Lyle Taylor's the best player in the division for me and you definitely look at those fixtures and they just seem to have the team with the momentum um, we are also getting to the stage of the season where it, you just kind of give in to the, the panic and the negativity and Lee Bowie is the next Cruyff and Jamal Lowe's you know the next Messi and all of that and you just can't can't see your way out of it but Portsmouth have momentum as well mind. They've, got th- they've got three tough games when they've got so the, the they've got, they've got a on Friday then Coventry at home then also where so that is difficult but then Peterborough home last season so possibly the hardest and running on paper but they have momentum you know mm. 
people that seem to be disregarding that, but they haven't lost in a while. They're winning most weeks. Yeah, yeah, they, they've gone on a good run after that that terrible two months, haven't they? Um, so that I think they, I think they had an eight point advantage or something like that at Christmas, didn't they, at the top and of you know drop. But I, I mean, things can change very quickly. If we it's, win it's on if we win on Friday. You've just got but this horrible you know, feeling that if like, I think if we win on Friday, I think it's a good thing that we're away from home on Monday. The thing, also though, there's the, there's the thing of like, right, it's going to go the wire where you ne- you've just mentioned, you know, there's four teams involved now. So Barnsley, Sunderland, Portsmouth, Charlton, who are probably all eyeing up that second spot now. And it's not only going to um, make a difference who gets in second and who goes up automatically, but it's going to make a difference on who plays each other in the playoffs with the three sides that don't make it. You've got that to worry about as well because... Because if you do, you can't get second now, you absolutely want third. Because you don't want Charlton or Portsmouth over two legs. You would um, much you would much rather Doncaster. I'm, I'm out for the playoffs. I'm I'm booking some holiday. In. <laughs> I have a holiday. I'm going away. I'm going to miss the second leg if it will get the sixteenth uh, and seventeenth. I'm in Spain, so nah, I'm, I'm out for the playoffs. I don't, I don't fancy it. No, <laughs> I know, it's it's so like it's so weird to think like some. I think of the playoffs. Sometimes I just think, oh, just don't let's just not do it, and we'll just have another I season think, in League yeah. One because I can't handle the. Yeah. Do you know it's funny because uh, obviously the dates for the for the playoff semis and the final confirmed today, and I tweeted them out, and I had just so many people just applying, going, "Oh my god!" When you actually see the dates, it actually dawns on you that we could have to do the playoffs. I, I think some sometimes you feel like you'd maybe you'd rather just take seventh and just have another crack yeah. at it and next it, year. Even worse, even worse because I, I would back us to get to Wembley so much. I think the home advantage thing, I think the fans would really rise to it and, and Sunderland don't win at Wembley, so that would make it even worse. Well, you know, ninth time lucky, maybe. <laughs> in a row of losses, so. Do you think there's going to be the appetite for people to go down? It doesn't seem like it when you well, speak you to people. That, but. You can just say now they're going to get Charlton in the playoff final and we're just going to have three weeks of reading Mickey Gray retrospectives was, and Stonker and it's was, just going to be like, oh no. Somebody on Twitter, who I think I follow him or he follows the account or something and I remember at the beginning of the season when he said, and he put a screenshot of a bet he'd put on that Sunderland would play Charlton at Wembley in the playoff final and this was before the Charlton first home game. So if you're listening, get in touch because that would be good. Because I'm, I'm they either said they were going. I'm sure he put. I'm sure he posted a screenshot, and he asked what the odds were of Sunderland Charlton meeting in the playoff final. I bet he's feeling quite quietly confident. Now. Well, what will happen is we'll not get them, and then we'll lose in the playoff final. So he'll be devastated. Mm. That's what usually <laughs> happens. <laughs> well, it does, doesn't it? That's what happens. This is Sunderland. Can this Sunderland pull a background? Can they turn a background? One win would change everything. We, we've we've said. A week ago, we were sitting with Martin McFadden in the Raw Grand Calf and we are on top of the world and we're saying, there's no way we're going to blow this now because four points from this these two games and we're going to be difficult to catch. Suddenly we lose one game, it's like the sky's falling. Yeah, and, and, and like we were alluding to before when we chatted about formations and stuff, and of course it's a big debate, but it, it, if we go on Good Friday and maybe they will, maybe they won't, but Catamull and McGeady are in the team and Maguire's on the bench, the complexion of that team completely changes the experience, the quality... And the mood's going to completely change. And if you go and win that game and suddenly you've got these players come back to fitness, the, the picture completely changes. It completely changes. You know, it, it's easy to forget that, you know, you look at these last two games, you, you go and win the game and you're attacking options to bring off the bench at Sterling and Kimpy Oker. And I think they've both got something, but they're nowhere near yet at the moment where, what you need in that kind of situation. And it'll make a huge difference if you can bring a, a Maguire or somebody like that back into the fold. So it, it can change very, very, very quickly. I mean, this all the stars might align and you know somehow the 
those teams contrived to lose before us, and, and you know, I, and we could, and then we're going. Oh, we've beat Doncaster. We're back in there. And, and we're we back did, in and, there. And, you know? and, and and you're always guilty of this when it's your own team or the team you follow or whatever. You especially when you've had a, a couple of tough years or whatever. You always talk your team down, and the other teams become Barcelona, yeah. Real Madrid. And you know these teams were level with points on Portsmouth. You can go past Barnsley with, if you win your game in hand. So you know they've got issues as well. You know they have flaws in their team, and it can. Sometimes when you get into that pressure and, the, and almost the fear of, of not going up, you can be guilty of kind of losing perspective of that, I think. So, you know, there's Charlton, Charlton worry me because I think they do look in a seriously good, seriously good place for the fixtures they've got. But you look at Barnsley, Luton and Portsmouth's form, they've all had moments where they've slipped up. But again, so. with, if, with, Port, with uh, Charlton, we know if we win four out of five games, they can't get above us, so... You know, they, they don't they can only get ninety one points. Winning four to five seems very optimistic at the no, moment, but, doesn't it? But if but you don't beat Doncaster, it doesn't, does yeah. it? You even, know, if you get that yeah, one, out yeah. Of even, even when we were talking last week and we were on top of the world and we were super confident, really hyper confident, um, I think we did each say there that probably out of the seven games we had at that point, we would lose one. I think we all thought that. So hopefully this is just it. Yeah. And it's gone. It's just and it's been chalked yeah. off. Because Covenant was always a one early. that I was worried about as well. I did, I thought we'd get four points last week, and I thought we'd beat Burton and draw with Covenant. Norm, I did think Covenant was a bit of a. I'm just a frustrated because I think if we just set up the way we've set up almost the season, we would have, we probably would have got potentially got four points in those games. I know it's like hindsight and what about Reen? You, you don't know what could have happened, but I I do believe with the with that system at home, we control the game so well. Um, that you know we we wouldn't have been hit so heavily on the break and in the games we played and which is why we we conceded every goal on the break didn't we really all those you know yeah well three three of them suddenly start with the ball so it's very frustrating but anyway we have to be just have to be Doncaster and hope you know that if Barnsley win. Portsmouth win, Charlton win, and, and you know that it is going to be talk about people getting frustrated and getting worried and the tension and people, you know, grumbling after fifteen minutes when a ball goes out of play. That will happen, and, and I would I would say another thing, a bit of revisionism about mental strength in the team. Um, I was listening to the um, Total Sport on the way back from the match uh, at the weekend, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing where people were like questioning the mental ha- mental strength of the players because we've come from behind we've won more points come from behind in, in, in the entire football league even Saturday gone you're 3-1 yeah, down and you managed yeah. to get and back we're, the game 4 all. It's, uh, not, it's, it's not, not down attitude no it's not it's, it's not and I think it's really like, I think it's fair enough to criticise the mistakes and, and things that people have done in the game but I don't think it's fair to criticise that group's mental strength because they've shown all season that they've got um, you know that desire to overturn and, and the desire to change the game back in their favour if if they can do it and, and they, sometimes it's not pretty but they do it and they they have done it um, so I think it's just careful a bit like I feel old Jack Ross has maybe thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit with his change it's important that we don't do the same as supporters I think and I'm not going to you know do rallying cries and tell supporters <laughs> on, do what a, they should do think and what they should do. Big massive rallying cry, Gareth. Just you know, I just think it's it's not fair to to start rewriting history, like you were saying, Phil. You tend to like downplay your team and big everybody else's up. 
you know, I watched Barnsley the last few times, they've been on television, they've been atrocious, and I thought, like, if we played like that, I wouldn't, like, see the state of Twitter, like, after we'd played like that, day and me. There'd be people calling for Stuart Donald to go, if we'd, we'd been playing the level that they've been playing. Um, so, yeah. The grass isn't always greener. And it wasn't last Monday, so we've got to hope when we get together... Another twist and turn. You know, if mm. you know, yeah, we'll Frank, this time, when yeah. Frankie's no doing the when Frankie's doing the preview for Portsmouth, you know, we've got to hope he's saying, "Well, we're second, and it's ours to hang on to. We can't throw it away." Mm. And that that's what we've got. That's what we've got to do. We're capable of winning. We're capable of winning the next two games. We're capable of winning them. We just have to go and do it. We have indeed. Thanks for listening. <laughs>